Welcome back to another episode of Splintering Back. That's right, we're splintering back to the latest episode of 12 Monkeys. And man, this this show, I think I've said it before, I've said it, I'm going to keep saying it. This show just keeps getting better and better and better. Just each episode tops the last one. You know, I feel like Lullaby is like my favorite episode of the entire series, but then they do this. And this episode was nuts. From the beginning to the end. And the way they bookend it too is very, very nicely done in terms of Olivia's character who we're going to get into a lot. We were just talking about her last week. And now they do give us exactly what we've been talking about, which is her, where she comes from, her story. So we're going to dig into that. We're going to dig into the huge meltdown, the relationship meltdown that is Cassie Cole and Ramsey. Man, just that relationship is just whole other level meltdown. So I, I want to jump into this. So let's just do introductions real quick. I'm your host, Pacing Pete, alongside, as always, from the Flash podcast, from the Marvel Report, and from comic book resources, Miss Lauren Galloway. What's up, Lauren? Hey, Pete. I agree. <laughs> I think uh, Lullaby might have been my favorite, but Fatherland is my new favorite episode. How crazy was this episode? It was just nuts, right? Yeah, it reminded me so much of Bridge of Spies, which is one of my like all-time favorite movies because you rarely see movies set in East Berlin. And like that's what I love about 12 Monkeys is that in Lullaby, we got a plague version of Edge of Tomorrow. <laughs> and in Fatherland, we got this really cool kind of black and white version of Bridge of Spies. And it's so great when you have a show that can do these contained episodes that are totally serialized. Like, you know, they tell us things we've been asking all season, and yet they're like snapshots of all of my favorite things. Yeah, it's just, I mean, I thought last week's episode was really good. Like you said, last week, you know, it was a good break from the emotional uh, toll we took the last two weeks, you know. And then this one just ramps everything right back up. You know, let's just, let's get into this real quickly. You know, we start the episode off with, you know, the, the Red Forest and, you know, wasn't that kind of weird how um, the Red Storm is coming towards the facility and, and Deacon's out there and, and they got the team that's going to go to, uh, that's just kind of scouting around and, and we see a boy pop up. At first I thought it was Sam. I thought, I thought Sam had returned somehow and, and came back. What did you think of how that boy just walked into the storm and just, I don't know if he, like, was a, I, I, this is where we get into those, the worst speculation of what the Red Forest, of this, what this Red Storm really is. Because he just, like, evaporates into the storm. What did you think of, of that? Because I was just taken back by it. Yeah, I thought that was Sam at first, too. And I think that was just that kid resigning to his fate. Like, he knows that he can't run from it. So, like, it's, I feel like emotionally, it's that sense of impending doom, like that sense of hopelessness that Jones was dealing with at the beginning of Lullaby when she was reading Hamlet's soliloquy. <laughs> like, the kid was just like, I know what this stuff can do. It's going to get me eventually. I might as well surrender to it, as opposed to joining you guys and trying to run from it. I think that was kind of what that was trying to show. Yeah, it was kind of creepy. I was, because, you know, when we see them talking about how the red storm has affected other camps, you see pictures of, there was a picture of a baby and 
they said that hours before it was a fully formed man. So you have like almost like a Benjamin Button type of thing going on, where the storm forces the storm makes them like this. It's almost like uh, they hit rewind on this person's life and they went backwards. It's really bizarre and really crazy. And this is what's coming towards the facility at this moment, unless Cole goes back to 1957, finds the primary, and is able to 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 finish that mission so everyone stays alive because if not uh it's not looking good for the rest of the team at the facility but before that you know we start off with uh olivia in that it was in a i i assume it was a another facility and as we learned that's the facility she was in let's just get into her story real quick we finally get to learn about her origin now you know we've been talking about it we talked about the last week you know where does she come from you know what what is her deal? Because we're start, we know where the tall man comes from, that particular messenger who was stuck around after the 1944 episode. You know, but we really didn't know much about Olivia and where she came from, but we learned all about it. You know, uh, I'm, I'm jumping ahead here, but, you know, when Cassie Cole and Ramsey have Kirshner and they go back to his, his lab and, you know, his quote-unquote research, we see that his research is Olivia. And, you know... I think he says that they kept um, somebody's egg, I'm assuming it was a messenger's eggs, uh, and to do experiments. And, and they, they have her genetically enhanced, and, you know, to, they wanted her to be this perfect being, which, you know, makes you really wonder where she's standing, where we see 2016. Now, just going back to her as a child, uh, Lauren, what did you think about this new information and how we learned that, you know, Olivia... She's not just the typical villain in this story. There's much more to her. Uh, she's got a very big purpose to her than just being another uh, person that carries the message of the 12 monkeys. You know, this might be jumping ahead a little bit. I think it's okay. I'm presuming anyone who's listening to us has seen the whole episode. <laughs> spoiler alert, people. Spoiler alert. Yeah, we are recap after show. I just want to say that from here on out, I am Team Olivia. I did not like her last season, and I didn't like her at the beginning of this season because, you know, she was putting people in baths and calling them daughter and being super creepy about it. But now I feel like, and I said this last week, Olivia could blow up this whole thing. <laughs> and it's very much the whole, um, like, that Shakespeare quote, the wrath of a woman scorned. Like, you never, like, if you're running some evil organization, you never want to piss off the people that work for you because they could turn on you in a dime. And I really feel like Olivia is going to be the key because she's been abandoned. The witness has forgotten about her. Now we know about her past, that she's this genetically modified super messenger. And what's so weird, I mean, correct me if my theory is wrong here, but Olivia was created by the doctor and her mother, the messenger. She grows up super strong. Obviously, we saw her healing at the end. And then they harvested her eggs to create the messengers. So did she create her mother? Like, is that weird? <laughs> Does that work? <laughs> well, it goes back to the whole thing we were talking about last week about loops and how something, you know, Chain, uh, I'm I'm losing my train of thought here, you know. Just the way they they have some sort of effect on 
the past, you know, the future, it's just the whole future and past, uh, connecting and, and having an effect on one, on one or the other. I think you're right. I think it potentially could be that. Um, but also it opens up the speculation of who, I mean, who is the father, you know, even though we see that Kirshner did help create, I mean, who, I mean, who do you think could be the tall man's father? I mean, who, where, where does this road lead? Is he just a regular guy? Could it be somebody that we've seen, we already know? I mean, what do you think about that? Well, if – I'm trying to get the timeline straight here. So the messenger went back to 19 – was it 40? 44. Four. Yeah. Yeah, because it was 100 years. Okay. And so then we kind of saw the flash forward of her, like, kissing her son on the forehead and he had the hat on. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if we got a timestamp on that episode to kind of gauge how old oh, he is. Yeah, I I remember that episode. But if that was kind of, I mean, let's say it was right afterwards, then maybe that was like early 50s. And this looks like it's happening in 61, and Olivia looks like she's about three or four. So it looks like there's about a 10-year, maybe a 10 to 15-year age difference between Olivia and the tall man. And obviously they're brother and sister, but yeah, we don't know who his father is. And if he's aging at a normal rate, then he's only half messenger whatever mm-hmm. DNA. Yeah. But Dr. Is it Kirshner? Yeah. He obviously genetically modified Olivia to make her like this super powered child or something. And it's just so interesting because she, you know, her mother came to save her, which I didn't know who was coming in at the end. That was a surprise. I totally thought of Madeline Stowe. I'm going to say it right now. I totally thought it was Madeline Stowe. Right? Where is (laughs) Madeline Stowe? We need to see her. Yeah, the whole the whole cyclical thing, like it's one thing last week we talked about the line Jennifer tells Cole about the you know, the path is different but the one you make is like the most important and then she tells that to her. Like it's one thing to have a line be cyclical, it's another thing to have a human being like create their mother. I mean that's that's really intense. <laughs> It's crazy, right? That's just oh man, super bizarre, and just ups, it just opens up this story even more. But yeah, like you, like I think I'm I'm on Olivia's side here because you know we were talking last week about how she was already becoming skeptical of the witness with everything that had happened. Now the tall man's taken over. You know she she isn't in the place she was at the beginning of the season or even the first season, and we see that at the end of of this episode arc of hers where, um, you know, she's standing in front of the statue, which is supposed to be representative representative of her mother. And, you know, she's saying how the witnesses lied and, you know, her cycle ends here. I mean, what do you think's going to happen? I mean, do you think, do you think she could potentially meet up with Cole at some point and say, you know what? I'm, I'm upset about what's going on. I thought I had a purpose. You know, I was made for a reason, but it seems that this reason isn't what it what it should have been. And now I'm by myself, you know, and she suddenly joins them in this quest to find the witness. I mean, could, could you potentially see that happening? 
yeah, absolutely. I think I think Olivia is the person who could take them right to the witness because it seemed like the file on Titan that Cassie and Ramsey found was like they created their own file. It's like in the movie Twelve Monkey, and Madeline still leaves the voicemail. Uh, oh, the, you know, the army of the 12 monkeys, like Colt goes back to find her in that movie and she's the one who left the message. So it almost feels like, oh, we were wrong. Like we planted our own clue. So they're kind of at a dead end when it comes to finding Titan. And I think Olivia would be the person to know. And it was so interesting that sometimes I get last week's episode confused with this week because I know last week's episode, we saw Jones's husband back and we saw the tall man kind of commissioning him to create Titan. And then this week they go, but they like the place where Olivia was created, I guess in 61 obviously was destroyed, but then they go back to that place in 2016. And so is that where Titan is going to be built? I mean, do you think that's why they were there? I'm not, I'm not sure. And that's what I was confused about too, because obviously we see, in the vision that uh, Cassie has, that Titan's fully formed. Um, but 2016 is when it's supposed to, is at least when they start talking about it. Um, but that makes me wonder, like, so is Titan fully formed in some vision that she's having, like somewhere in the, in like the farther future? That's what, like, that's where I'm at. That's what I'm trying to figure out. I mean, obviously, 2016 is when the tall man and and Katarina's husband are talking about starting this project so from here on from that point on i assume that it's being it's it's starting to be put in place um but i mean do you think that it's somewhere in the further future where titan's fully formed or do you think 2044 is when it when it actually is done yeah i think that 2044 is when it's done it feels like because that's where time is starting to fall apart the most that was kind of the targeted area like they they knew that once it's like they knew that once titan was complete then they could send the messengers back through time like it's possible that the messengers have been living at titan this whole time being trained in dialect being trained in how to act in the times that they're supposed to go to i mean it's possible that the, all the babies that that we saw in the finale of season one that they get transferred to the future Titan facility. And so to say that the tall man and Jones's husband are building it, I would want to say that they would be building it in Berlin in the same place, maybe because they want to further genetically enhance the kids and they need Kirscher's research, something like that. But if that's true, and if, if Ramsey and Cassandra want to find the witness, now they at least have a location. They have to somehow get from wherever they are now, which is what, like West Virginia, kind of East Coast. Somehow they have to get to Berlin, which I don't know if they still have submarines. I don't like I don't know what the <laughs> world looks like. You know, it's very walking dead. It's like I don't yeah. know what the world looks like outside of this kind of small microcosm that we've only looked at. And so I'm wondering if the next few episodes are going to be Ramsey and Cassie finding some sort of like plane or jet or boat to get to Berlin, or if they can strangely put themselves into the splinter machine and lock in like 
three days ago in Berlin. Like, can they do that? Maybe that would be the easiest way to do it. Now, I, I'm, I, I don't know if you know this, but so the splinter only goes back, right? This thing can't go forward, right? I think it, well, presumably it should be able to, but we've never seen them do that. Because I was just thinking, like you were talking about, you know, putting them in, in the machine and splintering them to some point, maybe a few days earlier. What if they tried going into the future? And like maybe two or three days into the future of 2044 to get a jump on the witness and, and find out where this Titan is. Whereas, you know, you know, we talked a long time ago about how the Titan might know, probably knows what's going on and is, is kind of pulling the strings. But if they go into the future, maybe that throws things off and, and the witness doesn't even know what's going on. Yeah, I think it can be used to go to the future because in the finale, the season one finale, when the machine was first built and they were they were testing what the plants, the green mm-hmm. plants, like they were sending ivy. It was being sent to Katarina's time because they were pulling all the ivy off. Remember that? Yep, I do. So they can send it forward. But we just haven't but, seen them do it yet. Like the we haven't person. seen them do it yet. Probably because they they don't know what's ahead, like they have no clues, mm-hmm. and so they wouldn't want to send them somewhere that would be unsafe. Like you don't know if there's land there or grass there or like somewhere for them to land in in that time. But it seems like now they're on a timetable, right? Mm-hmm. Don't they have like a day or a day and a half before the red forest is supposed to collapse in on them? Yeah, I think I just kept. I I'm pretty sure Katarina kept saying. Just she has, there's days. She just kept saying there's days, and then they're all going to die. I'm pretty sure that's what she was saying. Wow. But, um, you know, let's just, let's let's tackle uh, a few of these things going on, because, you know, originally this is set out to be a mission of Cole going back to find the primary. You know, and, and you know, reluctantly, Ramsey and, and Cassie go along with him, even though they have their own agenda. And also, it's not just them, but then they have Dr. Adler working with them to make sure that this happens, which we find out later on. But, you know, we get to, you know, 19, uh, I don't remember, you know what, I, I'll be honest with you. Do you remember what time they split it to? Because I forgot to write it down. Was it 57 well, the, or was it 61? It was 61. Okay. So they were supposed to go back to 57 to find the primary. Yes, yes, okay. And then they hijacked the time and they ended up in 61. Yeah, and so, and so now we we're, you know we have Ka- we have Cassie and Ramsey uh, putting something in, in Cole's drink, uh, conveniently hanging at the bar before he gets there, so that they can embark on their own mission. They've gone completely rogue. They want to find the witness. They want to find Titan. So to do that, they got to get to Kirshner. And so, uh, so of course, you know they knock Cole out. They get him. They they keep him. Um, where they originally splintered, and they had, and they, and they're, so they're in uh, East Berlin, correct? I think they start in West, because West is the That's free right. part of That's Berlin. Right. Yeah, yeah. And then they have to find a way to get over the wall into East Berlin. Either that, yeah, I think that's, I think that's how that went down. Yeah, because then they get, because, yeah, because they get there, they immediately get dressed up for this opera that they're, that Kirshner's going to, to, to find him at. And, and it's not long that they get 
uh, that they get made, so to speak, and and the messenger and their messengers from that time are right on their tail, and just as though they think they got Kirshner, they get captured themselves, and it looks like they're gonna kill Kirshner, but it's more of like a torture method that's going on, you know, um, and and then they obviously they don't know who Ramsey and and Cassie are. They said they called CIA. They tried to find out if anyone knew who they were, and. And then, you know, Cassie starts spilling the beans about what's going on and, and how they need him to find some information about somebody who's killing people. Obviously, they're talking about the witness, but they don't know. The people they're talking to don't know that. But, you know, what did you think about Ramsey and Cassie's plan to go rogue and, and get this information about Titan and, and pretty much keep Cole to the backside? Because, obviously, as we saw, this had a huge effect on Cole. I mean, he was livid once he came to, but tell us, but talk to me about how, about what you thought about Ramsey and Cassie's plan to do their own, to have their own agenda. I can't believe them. I mean, it's almost as ridiculous as team flash putting Barry in the pipeline in the flash finale. Like there are moments when you're watching a show and you're like, Oh no. Oh no. (laughs) This is not a good idea. Like Cole is the time traveler. Like, yes, Cassie has time traveled. Yes. Ramsey has time traveled, but like, this is Cole's job. This is who he is. This is what he does. And if he says, we're going to go find the primary, that's what you do. But you know, they're so hellbent on getting their revenge for obviously Cassie for being mentally manipulated and for Ramsey losing his son that in that moment they found their commonality and they totally hijacked the stream. And it's terrible because, you know, I don't, like the whole the whole episode was so interesting because the setup for going back to 57 was like a year plan. They were going to have to go there for a year and figure out who the primary was. And like Deacon and Cassie had that whole goodbye scene where she was like, it was just one night. Oh, yes. <laughs> I'm a different person. Like that answers <laughs> that question. Yep. And then and then all of a sudden, like the mission is completely different. And I love that Cole was able to find an ally in the cop. I mean, that was just that was so heartwarming and so endearing to see them like you know, very noir style, kind of put on their fedoras and go to Berlin to track down these fugitives. I loved, I loved everything about it. But I do think that Ramsey and Cassandra's decision was not, it just wasn't the right one. I mean, maybe it'll work out, but Jennifer warned Cole that everything that happens in Titan ends up in death. Yeah. And, and they were headed straight for it. But, you know, of course, Cole is there to save the day. Thanks to the uh, the detective that he met back in 1944, and like you said, you know that was that was a nice moment to see. Uh, it was even sadder when he sacrificed himself to make sure everyone got over the wall. Um, you know, and and he even had like a good speech like before it happened. You know, he's you know he he tells Cole, you know, I have a I have a granddaughter, and I know she's gonna die, and I know there's nothing I can do about it. But I know you can do something about it. Just, oh my god. Just good writing. Good writing. Great delivery. The actor was just so well done. Just an amazing job. And what did you... I mean, that had to bring some feelings back for you too, right? When you, when you were watching that scene? Yeah. I That was so powerful. Because I think everyone who finds out that the world is ending, it changes their perspective. And they start to see people as already dead. 
even if they aren't already dead. And Cole was like that in season one. To him, the whole world had already burned. So who cared if he killed another person? And Cole has kind of pulled back from that mindset in so many ways to, like, see humanity for what it is. But, like, for this detective to say, you know what, like, I believe in Cole. Uh, I believe in James Cole. Like, it felt like this very kind of just like really awesome kind of like i believe in john connor like terminator moment of like only you can change what's about to happen and i'm willing to put my life on the line for that that was wonderful yeah and so let's just let's let's jump uh, back into the bit of the betrayal that was going on and and it it started with dr adler you know and he's taught he's telling uh katarina about their tethers and how they're tethered to certain times and She's like, wait a second, what's going on here? And 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 then she she she's so mad about the manipulation and how this affects the plan that they had going forward because obviously it was to prevent the red storm coming towards them that she has Adler locked up. What did you think of Katarina's uh, actions and how she was just so furious that she had no other choice but to lock him up and and just have him put away? I thought that was an interesting choice and makes sense. I mean, anyone that Katarina doesn't like, she will lock them up. And I think it's like getting your privileges revoked. Like, you're in this facility, you're under my protection, but if you tamper with the plan, you you lose your privileges. You lose your outside privileges, essentially. And we saw Cole order the same thing for Cassandra and Ramsey at the end. And now it feels like either they're going to have to stage a prison break to get to Berlin or the three of them are going to have to team up to use the machine to get to Titan. But I feel like there's this dichotomy now between people who want revenge, which is Cassie Ramsey and Adler. You know, he wants his child back that he lost. Like he has bitterness Mm -hmm. that Katerina got her daughter back, but he didn't get his child back. Like it's so emotional. Like the stakes are so high and people are making all these crazy decisions. And yet you have Katarina and Cole who are, like, focused, they're on track, they know what they need to do. It's a very interesting kind of split that's happening at the, the base camp at the moment. Yeah, Adler's, uh, he's just visibly upset. I mean, you saw it, you know, you've been seeing it ever since Hannah came back to, to Katarina. And he holds that that grudge, you know, which is part of the reason why he made the decision to to, to help Ramsey and, and, uh, and Cassie. Um, but yeah, I thought it was crazy when, when Cole told everyone was telling, uh, you know, the guards to lock, to, you know, lock up Cassie and Ramsey, you know, and, and, you know, she's talking about, you know, we need to do this and we need, and he says to her just point blank, there is no we, you know, and, and do you think that, you know, obviously he's upset. He's been betrayed by the people he loves, the people he's trusted. They've gone behind his back and done something that he would. Well, maybe he wouldn't do them. I don't think he would do this to them. But he's did. They did something that he wouldn't do to them. And do you think some of this could stem, especially? You know, he's he's. I mean, a lot of this anger is directed towards Cassie. Ramsey and Cassie are saying right there, but he seems very focused on Cassie. Do you think? Some of this has to come from a couple episodes ago. You know, it was the end of Lullaby, and Cassie and Cole are having this moment when they're, you know, kind of holding hands a little bit, and and Cassie says in that moment that they can never be together, basically. 
Do you think? So, do you think some of that stems from that moment? I think it could. I think. I think Cole knows that Cassie's kind of made her decision that the most important thing to her right now, come hell or high water, is to find the witness. And whether that means endangering all of time itself, it doesn't matter. And I think Cole thinks that's a very dangerous attitude to have because it is dangerous. I mean, obviously, they wasted all that time. I mean, it probably won't turn out to be a waste, but at least his initial opinion is. We wasted all that time running around Berlin trying to track down this clue that you thought you found, but you really left it for yourself. I, I don't think he can trust their ability to make decisions without being emotionally compromised. And yeah, it could be, he feels very slighted and very rejected that he loves her and he would do anything for her. And she said, no. And, and then you have, you know, uh, his, uh, his quote unquote brother who betrayed him as well. You know, I feel like we've seen so much go on with Cole and Ramsey. You know, they, they came to blows in 1980 and in, in, in the 80s in season one uh, with with what with learning what Ramsey had done. You know, do you think this is the kind of thing that could, uh, pun intended here, splinter their relationship? Yeah, I think that's a very appropriate pun to make considering. I think their relationship has always been rocky. I think they have incredible mutual respect for each other. But, I mean, Ramsey made it his life's work back in the past to create the plague. <laughs> so, I mean, despite Cole and Ramsey being brothers in arms, which I love, at the same time, they're on two very opposing sides of the coin. And up to this point, Cassie has always been on Cole's side. And now that she switched to Ramsey's, I think like the last, I think we have three episodes left in this season. I think it's going to be an all out complete splintering in all the relationships. And then something will probably bring them back in finale the same way that it did in the season one finale. Yeah. The, the masterful thing that the writers and the showrunners of, of 12 monkeys have done is they've been able to separate these characters uh, they've been able to create divides because of each one of their own agendas, whether it's Ramsey trying to save a son or in season one creating the plague or, you know, Cassie doing what uh, Katarina said to try and kill her. Um, you know, for every bad thing that's happened, they've done a terrific job of bringing these characters together because of some important reason. You know, that's a, a lot of shows... When, whenever they encounter something with characters where there is a divide, there's something very major that happens in the relationship, you know, that you wouldn't think they could come back from. A lot of shows aren't, don't do a good job of handling the character relationships and bringing them back together, explaining them so well that we can sit back, we can watch, we can say, okay, that makes sense. And the great thing about 12 Monkeys, like I said, is they've done a great job of that. They have made us believe that Cole and Ramsey can come to blows, that they can come to, you know, uh, they can come to having guns pointed at each other's heads and still come together and work as a team. Same thing with Cassie and Jennifer or, you know, Cassie and Ramsey hating each other, but still forming their alliance. And that's one of the beautiful things I love about the show is, is how they, how they can connect these characters without completely tearing them apart. And like you said, I think that there will come some, 
there will something will come about that will allow the characters to come together despite their differences, despite the splintering of the relationships, and 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 have them work again as a team. Now, I want to get into uh, Deacon and and Cassie because this isn't something we've seen a lot uh, over the last few episodes. I mean, the closest we got was. I think Cassie had come back from 2016, and she was really broken up. She was really emotional from what she had dealt with going, you know, with her uh, arc with Jennifer. You know, when you saw Deacon kind of comfort her, comforting, comforting her and, and taking care of her. But we got a lot more explanation, as you alluded to earlier, when, when they had talked about their night together. And we really did finally get some clarity into their relationship, but we found out it was only one night. This isn't something where Cassie saw it going beyond what it was. Uh, maybe Deacon did, with the way he cares for her, with how he felt. What did you think of 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 that reveal, and and also how we saw Deacon at the very end of the episode just drinking, you know, getting drunk, and there's the red storm right in front of him. Yeah, that was a surprise. I think we've all been wondering. Uh, the extent of Deacon and Cassie's relationship. Do they just have feelings for each other? Did he protect her or save her life in some kind of way? Is there like a reverse Florence Nightingale thing going on? Or what is it? The nursing one, the Stockholm syndrome where like someone like takes care of you and brings you back to health and you like form an attachment there. I mean, they kind of have a lot going on for them, especially because she's a woman out of time and she's beautiful and she's intelligent. I mean, it makes sense that Deacon would be attracted to a really strong woman like her. And for her just to so casually brush him off and say, Deacon, it was just one night. I mean, that was, that was really hard to hear. Like I don't ship Deacon and Cassie, you know, I'm here for casserole or whatever (laughs) Cassie and Cole's ship name is. But at the same time, I mean, we know we know why he's Teddy. Like we know, we know why he is the hard man that he is. And so to see him kind of look at her with otter eyes, and for her just to brush him off, that was kind of painful. And then for him to kind of stare into the void at the end of the episode and just look at that red storm, like like he has nothing left to live for. It was hard to see him so kind of downtrodden and I think he'll be surprised when he finds out that she's back because he was saying goodbye to her going on a one-year mission and she came back like a day later so I think maybe he'll help her escape and help her and Ramsey find the witness when he realizes that she's back yeah it's um he said this the way she brushed him off I mean I felt bad for him and I don't feel bad for Deacon too much just because he can be a hard ass, but he's an awesome character. But I felt really bad for him because, I mean, if you look beyond just the night they had, I mean, Cassie's Cassie is a big, or I mean, I'm sorry, Deacon is a big reason Cassie has transformed. Her character has transformed into who she is. So I also was looking at looking at, at that as you know, well, Deacon had a lot had a lot. Uh, invested in this relationship that he thought it was so in that sense I just felt really poor because I'm like wow I mean this was a big brush off because you know like it you know you can just brush somebody off but when you're in a post-apocalyptic future and there's not a whole lot of options in terms of relationships um, you know Deacon finally found one and then it turns out that you know the person that 
he invested so heavily into emotionally and with all his feelings uh, didn't reciprocate it. I mean, that was just, oh, that was just really hard to watch. Um, you know, I, I, I hope that it's not one of those things where, you know, for the longest time we saw the whole no hope thing from Katarina and eventually it took Hannah coming back to her to kind of snap out of that. Um, I'm not sure what could help Deacon snap out of what he's going to be going through. And I, and I hope, I hope he stays around because this is one of those things where characters can do things, um, either selfless, selflessly or selfishly. And I hope that, I hope that that's not what we start to see with Deacon, because like you said, he has nothing left to live for. So I really hope that it doesn't take him down the dark path of eventually something unfortunate happening to his character, because we really don't want to see that. Now, another big thing that happened in this episode was when uh, when, Ka when Cole was trying to save Cassie and Ramsey, we saw the same map that Jennifer saw a few episodes ago that was the word of the witness. What did you think of them seeing that? Because up to this point, only Jennifer had seen that map. And now and, and now, all three of them, Cassie, Cole, and Ramsey, had seen it. And then Ramsey goes and grabs the Titan part and rips it off. That was really interesting because Ramsey had a whole kind of decision to make in that moment. And he knew he had to grab the piece of that map, which it makes sense that... I think the map that Cass that Jennifer had seen in 2016 wasn't it torn on the top? Didn't it have the tear? Yeah, I think it was. So when I saw that, I was like, "Oh, that's where it came from." Yeah, and so now I guess they do have. I guess they they aren't completely out of clues in terms of where Titan is, because they were able to. He was able to grab a piece. So maybe in next week's episode, when they're in prison together, <laughs> he'll pull out the piece of the map, and then Deacon will realize, "Oh my God, you're back! I thought you were gone." And you know, she warms up to him and says, "Hey, why don't you sneak us out of here?" And kind of see how that could be what's going on next week. Yeah, it's funny when when. Uh... Cole was having Ramsey and Cassie play and there was like this really brief second where he's standing in front of of Ramsey uh, Cole is and I was waiting for him to put his hand out and almost like give me that piece of paper like almost like this is your punishment you're not only going to be locked up but I'm going to be taking away the thing that you caused to ruin this, this mission and our friendship I mean I was kind of waiting for that moment to happen do you think Cole would do something like that um, I, I don't know. I think, I mean, he's not cruel. So he knows if Ramsey risked his life to get that piece, that there was something important to it. That's true. That's a good point. But, um, oh man, this episode was, was nuts. I mean, there were so many things going on. You know, we learned about, uh, Olivia's, uh, where she came from. Like you said, this opens up so many things. Especially knowing that her, that her and the tall men are siblings. I mean, that's just kind of crazy, right? I mean, I, I, it just it makes me wonder how she is going to be towards everyone concerning like the Twelve Monkey Army, the tall men going forward. You know, we talked a little while ago about you know her going rogue and and how that's going to affect things down the line. It's just it's it's going to be intense. You know, it's I almost feel like so we had the two ep the two real emotional episodes. Uh, you know, prior to this, and then we have last week's episode, like I said, was a nice break, and then we go right back into the intensity this week. Um, 
it, it just feels like that's where we're going to go the rest of the way. And it's like, you know, the gloves are coming off. It's no holds barred. They're going to give us so much down the line. And like we said, we haven't even seen Madeline Stowe yet. And we don't even know who she's going to play going, you know, heading down towards the season finale of this. So, um, it's going to be crazy, but is there anything else you wanted to add on about this episode? Yeah, I really enjoyed seeing the actor who played Dr. Kirshner, um, which I looked him up, and his name is Matt. What's Fr- his last Frewer. name? Yes, Matt Frewer. And he has been in Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, and he played a geneticist, very similar character on Orphan Black this season, which little bit of trivia, Orphan Black and 12 Monkeys both film in Montreal, or Toronto area, like like Eastern Canada. And uh, it was great to see him in this episode. I love the whole kind of black and white 60s fedora theme. It was really interesting to see them on the Berlin Wall and the whole construction of that. It reminded me a lot of Bridge of Spies. If, if anyone hasn't seen Bridge of Spies, I encourage you to um, to check that out. So going forward, you know, we're going to see a lot of these relationships tested even more. Uh, I mean, I'm interested to see how the Dr. Adler and, and Katarina's relationship is going to go forward because, you know, they've been so close working with working on the machine together. Um, just so many things are going to play out so, so crazy. It's going to be very, very interesting to watch how this all comes together in these last few episodes. So. Um, man, so much going on. I, I, I love this show so much. I know you love it too, Lauren, and, and it's going to be fun to watch, uh, watch it down the stretch here. So, um, that is going to do it for our show tonight. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it. We hope you enjoyed 12 Monkeys as well. Um, Lauren, why don't you let everyone know where they can find you? Yeah, absolutely. You guys can find me on social media, on Twitter, at Lauren Galloway. You can also find me regularly contributing to Geek Pop Culture News at comicbookresources.com. I also do a fun pop culture roundup on the tracking board on here, which is at my tracking board. It goes up every Friday. Awesome. And you can find me at Pacing Pete on Twitter. You can find... This podcast under the banner at Scene and Nerd on Twitter. At you can go to the gww.com to find all our previous podcasts, or you can just go to Scene and Nerd, subscribe. You get them immediately following the newest episode of Twelve Monkeys. That is going to do it for our show. We hope you enjoyed everything. We will be back next week as usual. Until then, have a good night. This has been a production of the GWW Radio Network. Please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Also, check out Geeks Worldwide at the GWW.com for all the latest news, reviews, and opinions on video games, comics, movies, TV, cosplay, and more. Geeks, assemble!